0: Love Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is having a phenomenal day. This is February sixth, two 2012. Troy Dooley, the host of Real Mentors Radio. And I am sorry I'm a little bit late. Man, I tell you what, I'd forgotten I didn't even finish scheduling the shows. You know, I mean, anybody can be in the home-based business arena because I screwed it up every day. Uh, but I'm excited. This has been... A phenomenal book. We are in Chapter 9 of Orrin Woodward's book, Resolved, 13 Resolutions for Life. Today we start into the chapter on I Resolve to Develop the Art and Science of Leadership. Orrin starts this chapter off. He says, I know that everything rises and falls based upon the leadership culture created in my community. It's interesting that he says that because... I think this is where some people misconstrue, maybe that's the word, on what true leadership is. For many, many years, I know I did, I thought leadership was about how many followers did you have? How many people are following your lead? And then I realized there's a difference between rank and development. In the Marine Corps, we had to follow anyone of a higher rank than us. That did not mean that they had developed their leadership skills. It also didn't mean that they were trying to develop leaders. Because some people will make it through boot camp just on sheer tenacity, but they miss the number one principle, and that is we as Marines are to develop other Marines into leaders. Friends of mine like Mike Hamburger that's over at Avant, the COO, former Marine, does this for a living now he trains leaders on how to go out there and be leaders and how they are to develop leaders and the leadership is about creating that leadership culture it's not about the the one man show don't get me wrong as we dig into this chapter there's always going to be someone that has to make the final decision it happens in families it happens in corporations it happens in nonprofits That's why there's certain rank-and-file type things that are there. John Maxwell wrote a book called 360 Leadership that's become like my leadership Bible because it's about leading from within the organization, not at the pinnacle of the organization. And that's kind of where I think Orrin's taken this chapter. He starts out, he says, the resolutions have progressed from private achievements to public achievements, and now one is ready to move into leadership achievements. But it's interesting because he says something here that that I've pondered. He says, it seems as if the more it's studied, the harder leadership is to understand. It is a topic that refuses to be quantified, escaping our airtight definition, no matter how many hours that we spend on the subject. And I I agree with that. I mean, we can dig deep. That's why books are written on leadership like crazy. I mean, my my mentor, John Maxwell, has made a career – out of writing leadership books. And when you read his books, at first you say, well, he already read that, until you realize that even he is developing as a leader, and there's things in there that he's written 20 years later that are different than what he wrote 20 years ago. The one thing, though, I think we can all agree with is not what is the definition of leadership, but I think we can all agree that we know when leadership isn't present. See, that may be the most important thing for us, is that when we know leadership isn't present, we need to make a decision. Can we help create leadership in our community, or is it time that we move on? Can we follow the leadership leading our community, or do we need to move on? Warren writes something here that, that I pondered Actually, I pondered it all day yesterday. People in my family, the girls had some people over there watching that, that football game, whatever it is called, the Super Bowl, and I was out chilling. And this came to mind. He says, the highest level of leadership is achieved by only a few individuals in any field, and it only happens when a great leader inspires other performers to become leaders themselves. Now, what what got me stuck on that was was literally this. Why? Why is it that most people don't want to achieve to be at the top as a leader? Why is it that people don't want to give their all to become the best that they can be? One of my personal mentors, Art Williams, said, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. But most people don't want to do enough. In his book pushing up people, he made it very clear that only 50% of the people will work hard enough to achieve anything. Only 40% of the people working hard are going to go on to be to use their 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 intellect and and their knowledge to create the wisdom to move it to the next level. But he said there's only 10% that's really going to be out there doing anything because they're the ones that want it bad enough. And then Oren, some 30 years later, writes this, the highest level of leadership is achieved by only a few individuals in any field, and it only happens when a great leader aspires other performers to become leaders themselves. Do you think that maybe this is why so many inventions that are out there today, we don't know who they are? Because the people that invented them, didn't see themselves as leaders. They weren't aspiring to create other leaders. They were just inspiring to develop something. And then maybe that's why we see the Steve Jobs or the Bill Gates who not only did they inspire to create something, but they inspired other people to go out there and do it even better than they did. It's interesting. See, if we focus on us, And find out where we're at. A good book that you could start with is called How to Develop the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. And I think the number one trait that's needed, maybe it's a trait, maybe it's just a talent that needs to be developed, is empathy. And see, I think the only way to figure out or or to go from sympathy to empathy is when you've had your own personal eye-opening experience. Warren talks about Michael Jordan. Without a doubt, Michael Jordan is one of, if not, the greatest basketball player in modern times. But he was a mediocre baseball player. He was good enough to get into the major leagues, but he wasn't good enough to do anything. Then there's another kid that I just enjoyed. His name was Bo Jackson. Not only was he good in baseball, he was good in football. He tried to to be good in both sports and ended up breaking his leg or his arm. I forget now because he played with the Royals. Kind of messed up all of his career. See, we've got to focus. If we're going to be a leader, we need to be able to focus on what we're the greatest at, realize what we're not great at, and then help those around us develop into the greatness that they were Created for. I had an interview this last week with one of the founders of the home-based business radio network, and they asked me, Troy, why is it that you're not out there running a company, or you're you're no longer out there building organizations? Don't you get lonely, not 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 building anything? And I, I laughed a little bit, and I said, actually, I get to build the whole community in network marketing now i get to support people at the grassroots level all the way up to ceos because i finally realized my purpose in life was not to be number one was not to grow some gigantic organization but it's to support and brag about if you will other great organizations inside the network marketing community And see, I think because I found out where I was strong at, now I'm able to go out and help other people become strong in their niches, in their sphere of influence. See, Bill, being a leader is tough. Listen to what Orrin writes here. He says, in the free enterprise environment, a business leader doesn't just execute the game plan. He must first create a game out of his business. This includes setting the ground rules on how the game is played and won thus satisfying customers i think i'm going to stop right there for a minute because i believe in direct selling especially sometimes it's people don't understand who the customers are and and now i'm going to i'm going to this could be controversial but here's what i want you to think about in the company's role the distributors are the customers Their goal is to create products and and an environment where leadership is king, where you as an independent entrepreneur gets to grow. On the other hand, your customers should actually be those end users that you're marketing and selling those products and services to. Now, where the lines get blurred is is on the legal side, and we're not going to get into that, but that's on the distributor-customer side. And see, if you look at everyone as a customer, every person that you bring into your organization is buying a product. They're buying a service, and you realize they need to be treated with the utmost respect as an end user of that product. Then you're going to go out of your way to provide them with the best experience that they can have. And when a few of them rise up and say, we want to be business owners like you, and they become a different level of customer, but they're still a customer, now you and the company that you've partnered up with get to help lead them to become the greatest that they can be. Now, that's pretty cool in my book. We don't get to see that a lot of times in corporate America. Now, don't get me wrong. There's companies like like uh, uh, Franklin Covey who go out of their way and they create leadership training. There's companies like Orrin Woodward and Chris Brady's new company that they launched with with four or five of their partners called Life. There's John Maxwell's, uh, what they call John Maxwell's team, where now he certifies coaches to go out of their way to become great trainers. So in in their case, they're actually, their product and service is raising up other leaders. Their their customers are other leaders, but in most cases, it's not that way. You may say, Troy, this doesn't work in my business. I, I run a small chiropractor office. Well, it does. Because, see, your number one customers aren't the people coming in to get help. They're your team members that work with you on a daily basis. And then their customers are the ones that are coming through that front door. See, this is where we miss it sometimes, and this is what Orrin's talking about here. We have to raise up the leaders, and the only way to do that is to create a leadership environment. So many times people leave our organizations because they realize, I don't fit into this. I don't want to be uh, in the game. I don't want people keeping score of me. I don't want the game plans to change. This is one of the big ones right here. People don't like change. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I hate change with a passion just whenever people just want to change. But I think when it's a strategic change, it's going to better not just the culture, but it goes outside the status quo. And it means we're going to continue to dominate our sphere of influence, and I'm all for it. Because if you're not changing, if you're not creating something, somebody else will. Prime example is, is a little company called Vima. Last year they created Vima PM. It was a, it's an all natural, healthy um, sleep aid. Basically, you drink it about 30 minutes before you go to bed. The the, the herbs and stuff in there just gives you a nice calming sleep. Yesterday at Walmart, I picked up what's called Dreamwater. It's called Pineapple PM. It's interesting. I'm going to do a report on this thing. But BK is leading. He's not following. Now, other people are saying, well, we need to go create products like that. I think BK Braco saw this coming. He just brought out a brand-new, all-natural, carbonated, weight-loss beverage. And now he's leading again. See, that's what some leaders do. In, in BK's case, it's in product development. Now, what happens is he creates the product. He has a, he has a field partners. They're out there marketing the product to the end user, and they're also creating leaders through the process. See, in no matter what business, no matter what industry, you see it, you see it in hospitals. Do you realize that just 25, 30 years ago, all hospitals were non profit? there weren't public hospitals there were county government and then there was churches like the the you know what you, what you, the catholic church and some of those the baptist church and then somebody said we can make a profit out of this and still be able to give to people does it work perfectly i'm sure it doesn't but they've understood they're developing leaders and those leaders are those doctors those nurses those sanitation workers, those cafeteria workers, and then the end user happens to be the patients that are coming in. It doesn't matter what it is. It works. And Orrin puts it in a really easy thing to understand. And here, here's how you, you start with define the game. What is it that you're going to do in your business? Define it. Second thing you want to do is track the parameter. You've got to be able to track where you're going. Are you moving forward? Are you moving backwards? Are you moving sideways? Where, what is it you're doing? Where is it that you're at? Are you tracking this stuff the way it's supposed to be tracked? Number three, you've got to track educating the team. So you've got to set the parameters on educating the team. Who's going to do it? What are they going to be educated on? How are you going to know that they're 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 growing? My good friend Kevin Grimes has helped companies do this by creating a a compliance, an online compliance test. You go through these modules, and and then bam, it, it works. Orin says the fourth thing you do is you play and score the game. You open the doors of your business, and then you start tracking. I live on an island, the very second heaviest tourist destination in in Florida. And one of the things that I always find interesting is I watch our local TV. It's called Beach TV. We have a little shop here that sells. Uh, swimsuits for ladies. And I learned something new about how this lady keeps score. She understands that her customer as the business is training her consultants that are on the floor and that their customers happen to be the ones walking through the front door who come in all shapes and sizes. Now, ladies, please bear with me for a second. Men, Without a doubt, there are some ladies that are very skinny in the hips, and they are very bodacious on the top. You can't just walk into a Walmart and probably get a – well, I can tell you, you can't. You can't get a bikini off the shelf. You can't get a swimsuit that maybe will fit off the shelf. This lady understood this because she was built that way. At other times, there are ladies that are very small on the top, and they're bodacious in their hips. So this lady understood for her to score the game, it's being able to create a beautiful swimsuit bikini match or or a one-piece or whatever they call them. they got all these names that fit her consultants on the floors, customers, those ladies coming in saying, can you make me feel and look beautiful with the right fit? And she makes millions a year doing this. I found it very unique because she actually knows how to play and score the game. If ladies are saying, I don't look good in this, if her consultants are saying, we can't help this customer, she knows she's done something wrong. She knows if the customers aren't coming in, then the word of mouth isn't going out that this is the place to go when you go to Destin to get your swimsuit because it will fit to your body second thing or the, the the next thing after play and score the game that Orrin writes down here is study the score so you've got to constantly keep score but you've got to track it are you winning or are you losing if you've got more losses than wins you got to change something and that's where that PDCA comes in you got to make adjustments tweak it out so you can get back up on the winning side of the score this happens in in business, it happens in life. doesn't matter where it's at. The same thing rings true straight across the board. So what do you do? You've got to align the culture to create the current. See, we cannot be afraid, and so many times leaders are. They're afraid that if they create other leaders, people will want to follow them. So what? If you read, watch any of my videos or, or read any of my posts, I'm constantly leaking. Leaking, listen to me. Linking, I'll get it out. I'm linking To other websites, to other blogs, to constituents that I call it link love. I'm passing the love on to them. I want my readers to see somebody else's objective opinion or maybe it's a biased opinion so that they have all the facts. A leader should not be worried that somebody's going to take their role as the leader. See, in my book, that's what it's all about. I pray that one day my sons will rise up and take their leadership role away from me. And I get to go sit in my rocking chair. See, this is what we have to do as leaders. Develop leaders, not followers. You become a history-making organization when you continually lift up leaders. You become a cult when you don't. John Maxwell, I have watched him over the years create leaders, and they go out and they do great things outside of his organization. Dr. Tim Elmore has got growing leaders, a a whole different organization than John's. Dan Rollins went over and and leads the church as their executive pastor, completely outside of Maxwell's organization. Gabe Lyons went out and started Q, and and totally outside of his organization. Uh, Kevin Small went out and started his own literary agency, totally outside of. And these were all top executives at one time in Maxwell's organization. Well, Troy, that's just one guy. Well, let's look at Andy Stanley, who's the, one of the, the founding pastors over at North Point Community Church, runs about 25000 a weekend. Orange is is run by Reggie Joyner, I, who is his executive pastor, who now own, runs his own organization. His best friend, Louis Giglio, went to him and said, I'm going to start another church. And Andy said, I love it. I think it's needed. And he went and started... Passion. So Passion Church is now a breakaway of the Passion Conferences. See, this happens continually throughout leaders because they want to ri- raise up leaders to go create other leaders. And the only way to do that is to have a vision for that. To praise people, to raise them up. When I was visiting Life this a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I saw is all these leaders on stage. It was so beautiful because Orn and Lori flew in on a on a Thursday night. They were there on Friday. They 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 gave a wonderful especially Lori. Lori just knows how to speak. If Oren would pay attention to her, he'd do great too someday. But man, she's the speaker. And you wanna know what happened? They got on a plane, they flew out to California to take care of some other stuff, left their leaders. In Ohio to finish taking up that event. That's that's they that's leader. They know they've ru- they've helped to raise up leaders who are out there doing their own thing. Here's the fun part: there's leaders that have left Orrin Woodward's organization, and now they're running their own. Did they all leave on good terms? I'm sure they didn't, because sometimes you know leaders they they get that tug of war thing, and bam, it breaks, and they go do their own thing. But they're leading somewhere else, and it all goes back. Re- Robert Dean, I talked to him last week, and I've talked to leaders of his that are no longer with him. They're out running their own organizations, but they give him credit for what they've learned. See, when you create a leadership revolution, it's not about keeping people at home with you. It's about helping them grow their leadership skills. It's helped growing as a, as a man or a woman to take them to a higher place, a place where they never dreamed that they could go. It's It's, it's not about trying to keep a lid on their leadership. But now here's something that you do want to do. If you're going to lead an organization, you have to attract leaders who say, I want to follow your leadership and help raise you up. And they won't they won't leave. They want to be part of a, a long-term family. I've seen that happen. I'm that kind of a person. I'm pretty loyal. I do a lot of vetting before I become very loyal with people. But once I've done the vetting process, I've become pretty loyal. I want to help raise that person up. I want to see their influence expand. One of the things that, that I found interesting about Oren Woodward is the more I've gotten to, to dig deep, he's got this driving passion to create a million leaders in his organization worldwide. I, I, found, that, I found that remarkable. And people say, Troy, I don't think... A person can do that well, I watched John Maxwell want to put leadership material in the hands of a million leaders worldwide in third world countries and beyond, and he's done it and now he's on his second million, so I know it can be done see i get I get excited with other people they have these passionate visions, and I can be a part of them because it means I can be something I can be part of something big so I remember when I got hooked into this little Chubby coach from southern Georgia didn't know how to talk right. Matter of fact, we talk a lot alike. Didn't have the finesse. He took on the insurance industry and he won. That blows my mind. See, one person can make a difference. And when one person attracts the right leadership and they create the right culture and they create freedom within that culture for their leaders to make mistakes and grow then the sky's the limit. Sam Walton, Orton puts this in the book, had had a remarkable thing when he was leading his company, Walmart. He said, all of us love praise. So what we try to practice in our company is to look for things to praise, look for things that are going right. We want to let our folks know when they are doing something outstanding and let them know they are very important to us. He this, this was good. He says when they can't when there can't be any praise about something that's done well, can't be insincere. You have to follow up on things that weren't done well. There's no substitute for being honest with someone and letting them know they did not do a good job. All of us profit from being corrected if we're corrected in a positive way. See, that's the key at the end of the day. And you want to know how he did it? He had a system just like Orange. He started out with get the right leaders on the bus. Make sure that you're you're going out there and attracting the right leaders. You want a team that will work hard, they work together, they're going for the same same end game. You constantly communicate. That's a big one that's missing today. You create the atmosphere where everybody wins. You leave yourself open to new ideas. My mom worked for Walmart. And I know for a fact they were open to new ideas because they implemented a couple of hers. You execute. You share the profits. And then in his case, he made very clear that everybody understood Walmart exists for the customers. See, he knew his customers were the associates. And the associates' customers were those people walking through that front door where that person was saying, hello, welcome to Walmart. The question you've got to ask yourself is every day when you've got new people coming on your team, are you saying hello and welcome to the team? That's the key. Tomorrow, Chapter 10, I resolve to develop the art of conflict resolution. This will step on some people's toes. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning with me on RealMentorsRadio.com. dot com.